Welcome to the Lions Made Podcast, episode 28. Now, I'm kind of excited about this podcast. Um, I'm also kind of not because it's very near and dear to my heart. Today, we're going to be talking about concussions. And I'm joined by one of the best in the business, uh, a colleague of mine, neuroscience researcher and a PhD candidate out of the University of Paderborn here in Germany, Jessica Conan. Today, we're going to be talking about head trauma. Um, as somebody who's dealt with concussions and even now still deals with post-concussion syndrome, this is a very serious issue that we're going to dive deep into talking about what is concussion, what is CTE, are they the same thing, hint, no they're not, what the symptoms are, what the return to play protocol is, and what to do if you think you have or have had a concussion, and is it serious, and how to deal yeah, mentally, emotionally, and physically with this, how to identify it, etc. So this goes without introducing really, let's get it poppin'. Jesse or Jessica, as uh, you're formally called in the research world, I wouldn't know because <laughs> I know you as a classmate and a friend and a fellow athlete. So Jesse, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction. I am also very happy to be there. Please tell everybody who you are, who is not in the research world and probably painfully uninformed at the moment. <laughs> So yeah, Jesse is kind of what I go by by network and stuff, but in research, Jessica is more formally what I sign off on emails with. A um, little bit of an introduction about me is that I studied sports psychology at the German Sports University, and my master thesis topic kind of brought me into concussions in sport. And at that time, I was looking at attentional deficits in concussions and I saw that athletes that had experienced a concussion had hyperactivity in their frontal part of their brain just to do an average task. That interested me even more in concussions in sport and that led me to do my PhD now at the University of Paderborn where I'm looking at the electroneurophysiology of concussions now I'm not only looking at the frontal component, but I'm looking at resting state networks is mm -hmm. the idea. Um, I'm only done a year and a half of my PhD. So, I mean, I'm collecting data, but I haven't really determined anything yet. Um, so stay tuned in years to come and I will definitely have a lot more information. However, I have read a lot about sport related concussions and I have talked with a lot of athletes about this topic and trying to figure out how as a sports psychologist I can help them and how we can advance concussion research here in Germany and how we can hopefully also set up some platforms that can help those athletes struggling with concussions here in Germany. Absolutely super important work as somebody who's had a few too many concussions as well. Um, yeah very important research because now we're finally figuring out not only is it painful but those things that we considered just to be quirky about us might actually be symptoms that have changed our personalities and could also be dangerous um, for continued participation in sport and otherwise. So please inform us, what's a concussion? That's the first question. So a concussion is initiated by a mechanical force that is expressed on some part of the body 
often people think that it only is expressed to the head, but it can really be expressed even to the shoulder and something. The thing that has to happen is that the force is transmitted to the brain. So the brain sits within the skull and the brain can shift within the skull. Mm-hmm. When a hit is directly to the front of the head or directly to the back of the head, the brain can just shift forward and back. And it's the acceleration and deacceleration that causes the brain to swell. What is even more disturbing is when there is a rotational force also added. So not only does the force go just forward and back with acceleration and deacceleration, but there's a twisting mechanism. And because the brain is attached to the skull at points, where the bone protrudes up, this twisting kind of stretches and expands the center of the brain. And at that point is where all the axons are, which allows the neurons to communicate from different points. And with these axons, when they stretch, they can even start to release ions. Mm. This causes an ion influx And with all this neurophysiological mechanisms that are occurring with a concussion, this is what causes a lot of the symptoms of the headache. This ion flux has also been related to migraines. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense that you're experiencing similar symptoms. And at the same time, there is a decrease in cerebral blood flow for reasons not yet understood. So the brain is trying to form new connections due to the connections that are now lost or altered due to the concussion, but it's not getting enough oxygen and enough energy in order to supply this new buildup. So the brain is running at an energy deficiency. Again, where you see tiredness, where you see slower reaction times, There is a neuropathological reason for all of these symptoms that we express on the outside of a concussion. There are some great studies that explain this. There are also a lot of studies that explain this in animal models. Mm -hmm. So we're taking animal model research that does perfusion injuries to these animals to try to understand how the neurometabolic issues alter after concussion because we can't really go into a human brain and (laughs) depict it out and kind of monitor it and watch it in a glass jar. And then now ethics is going to say a heavy hell no to that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So what's happening in human research is they're having G4 sensors in mouth guards or in the helmets of the athletes in order to measure the impact that these athletes are exposed to, Mm -hmm. to give us a little bit more of an understanding of where the force is coming from. Again, these sensors are measuring a force that is either exerted on the inside of your mouth or on the helmet. But that's also very difficult to then transmit, well, what's happening to the brain, which is inside the skull and not on the outside. So I think the biggest thing to understand with sports-related concussion is that it's mechanical force that acts upon the brain and that there is a lot of stuff going on in the brain and that it doesn't just happen at the impact of hit, but it's a progressive injury 
Yeah, I think it's really important to note what you said and just highlight that it doesn't actually quite matter where the point of contact is. It's the fact that eventually it does travel up to the brain and it's, you know, in layman's terms, the brain being rattled or shaken against the skull is effectively bruising it. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Having some inflammation and bruising. And then the thing that is really important to understand too, is that it's the axons that communicate between the hemispheres that those are stretched mm -hmm. and that when those are stretched, sometimes they even break, then that is a connection lost. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that point A and point B will never communicate again. What that means is point A maybe has to go now to point C to then get to point B. Make and maybe eventually harder. a new connection will form between A and B. But for the time being, this C, this A, C, B, now takes longer, which would mean reaction time is slower, which would mean there's frustration because, well, why are you not just having a direct path? There's an inefficiency in how the brain is working. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important that it's not just in football players, hey, slamming your head against other people's helmets. And helmets don't always protect you from getting a concussion. No, <laughs> um, no we, we, we sure. understand that much so far. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and, um, and like you said, it's just making life harder. Concussions just make life a lot harder. Yeah. One comment that you said about football players slamming heads against each other. The other thing that I preach a lot about is, okay, I'm a concussion researcher that must mean that I think American football is horrible and ice <laughs> hockey is just the worst. Well, um, I also coach and do the athletic program for an American football team. And I think that speaks both ways. I do not think football is horrible. I praise football. I think athleticism across age categories is great. And the camaraderie in sports is so important for development in every aspect of life. However, I am an athletic trainer and I do not coach these American football players how to tackle because that, that wouldn't benefit them. So I think that when American football players slam their heads against each other, I do think it has to be some type of awareness and understanding of how to tackle properly in order to get the minimalist risk of a concussion or of sub-concussive blow or whatever else. I mean, I'm not convinced that we can prevent all subconcussive blows. Yeah. But with proper tackle form, I am convinced that we can prevent some concussions because I've seen guys on the field that tackle like shit. And I've seen guys on the field that you can tell they know where to throw their body weight in order to absorb some of the impact. So maybe it's not transmitted directly to their head. Yeah, that's true. Um... So maybe I, you can talk about heading in soccer a little bit on how you were trained or mechanics. We weren't. <laughs> I think that's oh, the biggest okay. problem. That's interesting. That um, we weren't really to the extent that it had anything about like positioning. It was pretty much just how to get the flick right, how to receive the ball, knock it down or flick it if you were sending it somewhere else. It didn't have anything to do with you know, whether or not your neck should be tight, whether or not you should brace, how you should blah, blah, blah. It was really just that part was practically 
like on instinct. We just learned how to do that. And the rest was, yeah, how to flick the ball on kind of thing. It was but just I think as tactical. long as you are prepared, it should not give such great effects. So you're prepared to receive the ball, which means your body will absorb some of it, I think, just by nature. Mm -hmm. I think if you have an unexpected player come beside you and kind of bump into you and throw your body, those are the ones that are more likely to give you the lash in the force transmitted to the brain than if you see the ball coming, you're prepared, you kind of tighten, maybe you clench your jaw a little bit and you kind of follow through. So therefore, it's not the exhilaration, de-exhilaration in the brain, but you're kind of holding your whole skull in the process and moving with it. Right. Yeah, I think that's a lot different than a lot of times. Yeah, depending. I mean, you might have school-to-school -school contact with somebody else in that, first of all, yeah. doesn't feel good. <laughs> and it's no. a bit disorienting just due to the fact that it's immensely painful because there's really no fat there to make it not hurt so bad. It's not like getting kicked in the in the calf or in the butt or something like that. Um, and that is a lot different than just simply heading the ball that will, that does have some give to it, you know, like there's not much you can do to protect yourself when somebody comes up and you guys smash heads. Unexpected. Yeah, exactly. And that's where torque comes into play as well. Yeah. It's very important also for ice hockey players. So ice hockey players have a high rate of cumulative concussions that they yeah. get one concussion and they're likely to have another one after and talking with some ice hockey players and talking about what symptoms they have well the puck travels pretty darn fast on the ice and some hockey players have even told me that they don't see the puck anymore after a concussion wow so if they can't see the puck What's to say that they don't see another player coming up beside them before it's yeah, too really. late, before they're knocked out again? So when they're ready to absorb a tackle, oh, not a tackle in ice hockey, sorry, a check in <laughs> ice hockey, <laughs> too many sports in my head. <laughs> when they're ready to absorb a check, then they can kind of have their head go with their shoulders, with their body, and kind of resist some of it and go back. But when they don't even see the other player coming due to a concussion and another no chance no chance and then they get a second concussion or maybe they don't even get a second concussion maybe it's just that they didn't recover from their first one all the way yet they get a second subtle hit and then they all their symptoms come back again yeah so it's it's very important to understand the symptoms of a concussion when to go back to sport safely and to also know the warning signs that, hey, I just got hit. I feel like this. It's time for me to get off the ice. Because that would be SIS, right? Second impact. Second impact also has a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit of a worse step. Second okay. impact, 80% can even lead to death in the sense that it's um, a cerebral inflammation. Okay. So there's something in Ontario that's called Rowan's Law, and it's a female rugby player that she was symptomatic. Mm -hmm. She had messaged her teammates, I'm symptomatic. This is high school level. She told none of her coaches. She played the game, and she came off the field, and that was the end. 
and God. her teammates never spoke up about her symptoms when she was writing them saying I have headaches and she also never spoke up to her coaches saying hey I don't feel good I, I'm off so now in That's Ontario horrible. if there's any hit in high school the athlete has to come off and has to be investigated because we don't want any more of these Rowan cases so second impacts hit can be even more deadly than just a second hit. But I, um, yeah, I think that's important to highlight again, that it's not just you have a first concussion in a match and then you're taken off and checked or not checked, depending on whether or not your federation follows the rules or you even have that capability. Because I know in some leagues and sports, they, they don't, don't follow have the resources. Or they yeah. don't have the resources. Yeah, they legit don't have a doctor to follow through with it. And athletic trainers and strength coaches cannot. Like, we are not trained to do that at this point. Um, unfortunately, or not all of us. I know there's – anyway. <laughs> um, but it's not just in one game, like, the person has a concussion and then goes back in. It's also after the fact, like, a, having a series, one or two concussions or more, um, before having recovered from – the previous one like it's very serious uh, and I, I i think people don't recognize symptoms and what a concussion is and when a person might have a concussion so can you kind of tell us about symptoms i know we'll go back and forth on this but give us a general outline yeah so a greatest percent of um, sport related concussions has headaches as a top symptom um, dizziness, there's oftentimes balance issues, mm -hmm. and then it can go through a whole spectrum. So right now on the concussion recognition tool, as well as a concussion assessment, there's 22 symptoms that they list. And some, this is up to debate a little bit, some say with even one symptom on this list of 22, it's, a, it's an out of the game. Some yeah. people say three um debatable but this is where i go and say as someone that's on the sidelines of athletes if you know your athletes ideally and hopefully you will be able to tell when the athlete is off mm -hmm. even if the athlete pretends to be all macho and says i don't have a headache i feel fine just look into their eyes and if they can't seem to focus on you or yeah. hey they're swaying that athlete's off and maybe they don't even perceive that they're off. So I also do the check-in with the athlete. So, Hey, I see them get hit in the game. They come off to me. They seem fine. Maybe they go back in because really a hit from American football. I'm not going to take every single person that got hit out. Yeah. But I do do due diligence and check in on them that evening. And then the next morning, Hey, do you have any symptoms? Hey, here's 22 symptoms. Can you just fill in the chart? Yeah. Okay. Hey, can you let me know how you're feeling? Hey, did you sleep okay last night? And whatever. So know your athletes is a big strategy that I have when I talk about symptoms with the athletes, um, but also educating the athletes to know, hey, you have a headache and a headache doesn't mean pop an ibuprofen. Yeah. A headache means your brain is saying red flag, red flag get off and another thing is after a concussion your reaction time is slower and maybe mm -hmm. your vision is off so mm -hmm. 
you going out onto the field, you're not going to be performing as your first lineman. You're going to be performing maybe a second or third string. So why don't you let the second string actually go out there and perform rather than you going out there and letting your team down. And risking. Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So athletes also need to understand that, that, I mean, athletes are also, we can talk for some other time about athletes in general and, and what sports psychology means and how we mentor and talk to these athletes because sometimes they don't understand. They want to do everything possible for their team, for their coaches, and they're not so capable of making individual decisions. Yeah. And therefore, sometimes it's difficult for them to understand that, hey, I have a symptom right now. They say, hey, we have a game to win. Yeah, you have a game to win, but you have a symptom and your performance is off. And then, so I try as much as I can to explain to the athletes that their performance is off and they do not want to let their team down. Mm -hmm. Or if they're an egotistical player, they don't want to mess up. Right. And sometimes that works to get through to the athletes. Because an athlete just coming to you and says, I have a headache, they are going to want to get out onto the field as soon as possible because of the team. So Absolutely. maybe at this time you can explain a little bit about one of your symptoms or if you ever struggled with getting back to the pitch. Totally. Um, I've had a couple random concussions, but I had a really bad one last year. And the worst one that I ever had was actually in a a horse accident. No, I wasn't a horse girl, but little inside fact about me is I used to train horses and I had just bought a thoroughbred off the track, a little brat and, um, was retraining him and he got a little, I wasn't, yeah, too feisty. I had never been one to get thrown off easily at all. I could put up a fight, but he was younger than I was used to and stronger than I was used to having just come off the racetrack and man, he was fast. And he reared up, bucked me under him, landed both hooves on the chest, cracked my ribs, punctured a lung, and man, was I concussed even with a helmet. Um, yeah, so helmets I, do not protect the brain. They do they not. They can protect maybe skull fractures, but yeah. the brain is kind of sitting inside the skull. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I blacked out for just a couple seconds and then I got up and was a bit disoriented, but I thought, hey, I mean, I can't breathe. So I'm sure that's just what it is. The fact that, you know, I got flung off a horse. I didn't realize that I had been stepped on. You know how it is. The adrenaline hits you as soon as you stand up. Yeah. Um, And I just thought, ooh, I'm a bit winded. And when got back on the horse and continued and tried to finish until I was literally falling off of the horse (laughs) Um, because I couldn't sit up anymore and, you know. ER and overnight stays and U.S. health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Um, But for me, the hardest thing to realize was I never had those classic symptoms of just immediately being um, hurt by bright lights, the light sensitivity or the noise sensitivity, or just a, just a headache or any, you know, like feeling disoriented, anything like that. I would black out, not realize that I had blacked out and stand right back up. Like it was never 
a thing or feel disoriented and blame it on something else. So all those symptoms that I felt like, oh, it's just, you know, those stereotypes. I never had those. So I was always able to play it off and continue being a dumbass. Um, <laughs> so SIS and, and whatnot. But as far as my symptoms, I mean, I'm now going deaf in my left ear and have really bad tinnitus um, in both of my ears, which is just that ringing noise. So not only do I struggle to hear on the left side, but um, yeah, it rings day and night and is agitated more with stress and my eyes don't play along very well and headaches. And have you done any vision training? A bit, yeah. But just with the neuro neuroathletic training stuff, but also um, I've done the audio trainings as well, like sound training and whatnot. <clears throat> the sound therapy. I think and have you called. seen some release immediately after some of these training? A bit, yeah. But for me, it's always That's acute. That's one thing like, that I've also noticed. It's okay. acute, like it doesn't carry over. So like I've never had a chronic release, like I'll have it. And even with meditation, yeah. I can calm down the tinnitus a lot and it'll calm it down for about an hour and then it comes right back. So, but it has that's gotten better I've with heard, time. That's what I've heard also is you need to stay consistent with these therapies after a concussion or after the symptoms, especially with the vestibular training and the vision, ocular motor stuff. Um, the interesting thing from my side is I haven't had a sports related concussion, but I'm very interested in the topic. And, mm -hmm. um, I went to a physiotherapist here in Germany that does specific, um, concussion assessments. And I asked if I could just do some of the testing on myself because I wanted <laughs> to learn some of it. And the, the physiotherapist goes, Oh, you have an ocular motor dysfunction. <laughs> I go, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah it's like a symptom of a concussion it means this I was like I know what it is I was like I don't have one yeah you do look at your test scores look at this like look at how you do this look I was like <laughs> OMG now <laughs> so I mean it's very important also to understand what the baseline of the athlete is because some athletes do have ocular motor dysfunctions vestibular disorders and really don't have any idea about this yeah. Then you throw a concussion on top of it, and then they really get expressed symptoms in these mm -hmm. domains. But totally. as, as someone that doesn't know their athlete, I don't know if these were there before or if these came after. And it's a very complex injury, um, which is why I, I recommend to do at least a little bit of vestibular training with, like, sorry, um, vestibular testing, like preseason, or also figure out how the athletes respond to different stimuli. So again, you're knowing your players and these things aren't bad. These things are good to know from a performance perspective too. So it is nice that I have the research in concussions in sport, but it is also nice that I am on the field doing athletics, doing coordination training, doing- Yeah, so you have a baseline for every running. single athlete. I go and have the football and I hold it up in the air, I hold it side, I, I do a bunch of different things and see how the athletes respond. I also can see those that have peripheral vision and those that don't have peripheral vision based on mm -hmm. some of the exercises I do. And this is something for me that's very important to know because if the athlete does come off and expresses even more severe symptoms, then I know something's wrong. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I definitely have similar 
um, effects that you have, like for my vision training and stuff that I do, I see effects when I do it consistently. Yeah. When I notice I need it, which is usually means I didn't do it consistently <laughs> enough, then I have to get back on the track and do it again. Uh, and I notice yeah. how dizzy it makes me when I haven't done it for a long time. Extremely dizzy. Yeah. And I have headache when I don't do it and I have to look at the computer screen. And I also notice like my prime distance from the computer screen mm -hmm. if I'm too close, too far. Like it really it affects me. Yeah. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. Really bad. Uh, so I think the treatment and therapies for concussion are very important. And I think it's also about finding what, clinical profile you stand in after concussion mm -hmm. so a concussion can affect you from a behavioral standpoint can affect you from like a headache kind of thing uh, can also affect your mood and emotions can okay so this is really important or vestibular I, this is really important i want everybody to hear and i'll say it first because i've always i'll always speak about this i think it's very relevant after every single concussion that I've ever had. I've had a severe bout of depression afterwards. Depression and anxiety just like flares up out of nowhere. Not immediately, usually like two months afterwards, but having had multiple concussions, my post-concussion syndrome tends to be hideous um, afterwards. And I'm still in it from last year, having a concussion, what, nine months ago. And my depression always flares up after about two to three months, is hideous, and then wanes again. And what really helps is, like you said, those therapies, keeping those things up. And then if it really gets that bad, go to the freaking doctor. Like there are other interventions that um, yeah. can supplement um, like concussion therapy. We'll just say like doing those specific things. Like if you need to have medication to help you get through a concussion, um, post-concussive syndrome, take it. If you need to have that other is kinds okay. of yeah, totally. If you need to go to the physical therapist and have your neck massage to get you through it, go do that. Like you're going to have to go figure out what works for you, but it's totally normal. It's your brain. Your brain regulates literally everything. So take care of that sucker. But invi invisible injuries are really hard. So can you talk about like kind of that stigma? I know we talked about this off um, mic, but that stigma of invisible injuries as athletes and not really being able to think about yourself as an individual but rather the team yeah so this is something that yeah like julia said we talked a little bit about beforehand um because i got a voice message today from a retired athlete and what he sent me in the voice message is that him as an athlete he was always told what to do and everything that he was told to do was for the team so, hey, pain? No, you don't feel pain because you're, you're doing this for the team. You're doing this for the win. Now he's retired, and now he has to make decisions for himself. And he even expressed in the voice message to me that you almost lose your sense of in, like being an individual when you're on a team fighting for the logo, the brand, the whatever, the yeah big logo on the front of your jersey if yeah. that's what you want to believe it's like the extreme now, of athletic identity kids, yeah he has kids he has a wife he has a nine to five job and he has to make decisions for himself 
and that's scary yeah and for him he's suffering from some symptoms from previous concussions and he realized which i told him takes a lot of maturity he realized he needs someone to tell him what to do so he's now hired a triathlon coach to give him workouts, to tell him a little bit more about what he should eat, to tell him a little bit more about his good sleep hygiene or lack of sleep hygiene, maybe is his mm -hmm. case right now. And this has been going on for just the last week so far. And he's already said like, he feels a lot better and he's proud of himself that he can get through this and stuff. For someone not in sports, maybe this is difficult for you to understand, but for someone in sports, and someone that has been on a team and pushed through pain for the team, for the performance, for that game, for that championship. It means so much that it overpowers whatever pain you are feeling. Yep. However, there's long-term consequences to pushing through the pain, especially when it deals with the brain. This Absolutely. isn't something that can just recover like a sprained ankle you give it a month off you give it three months off and you can still try to work back and perform well your brain also needs the rest and recovery mm -hmm. but a brain is more difficult to give the rest to because you use it in all aspects of your life so yeah yeah very 100%. complex injury a very in like invisible injury as you said perfectly and when it deals with athletes and sports related concussions well there's even a more complex domain to it rather than just everyday individuals that maybe you fall off your bike and get a concussion totally i used to say um and I, I know this is a common metaphor so don't give me credit for it but you know it'd be easier if you had a broken arm and you're a hockey player because they can see your broken arm and know you can't hold that stick <laughs> and then they can see it getting better and you know you you get some pity up front for it and you don't feel so bad about yourself and then you can make progress and see your progress and in, in healing and getting back out onto the ice or you know in soccer when you tear your acl you can see progress and rehab getting better improving and getting back out onto the pitch and returning to play but with invisible injuries sometimes it feels like hey, I'm great. I'm back to almost normal. I'm like 98% and the next day you're back at 50. And it's hard when you can't see progress like that and frustrating and it beats down on your confidence. And it's, for me, I always felt like people were tired of my shit and like I was maybe making it up because I would, you know, tell my friends or family about it and be like, yeah, it's just really screwing with me today. I feel like I'm too dizzy to even train right now. And I just felt like I was making excuses because there was nothing to see but that's not the case it it's your brain it impacts everything so i think so that's another, important yeah and another athlete that julia you and i know together um from baseball field him coming to my concussion project saying that i've had five concussions and yeah baseball you don't think of about concussions well some of his concussions were riding a bike so I mean, mm -hmm. not all of them are from baseball but he came to me and said that I can work out for 30 minutes and then my body just goes into slow motion. Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? 
valid. He did say that he could work out for around 30 minutes and then his body just goes into slow motion. And I found that very difficult to understand and believe. And we put him through the concussion protocol that I had going for um, my master's and that my supervisor had running in the German sports university and his balance. As soon as I told him to close his eyes, he would almost fall over. He, wow. he couldn't stand without having the vision aspect out. So for me to tell him, Hey, your performance is off. You have something you need to work on. You honestly always need vision stimuli in order to center your gravity in order to balance. And as soon as I take that visual stimuli away, you're lost. Yeah. So I was like, you need to try to understand your proprioception where you are in space. And maybe this 30 minutes of working out, well, have that as your threshold. Don't push past it because clearly pushing past it is not benefiting you. So work to that 30% and then stop. Do some recovery stuff. Then the next time, maybe you work to 32 minutes, then 35, then inch it up a little bit. It's like mental progressive overload. Yeah. If your body is telling you don't go past 30 minutes and you're pushing 45 every single time because that's what your teammates are doing and that's what you think you should be doing because that's what you did beforehand. Mm -hmm. And your brain is saying, well, I'm not going any farther. Why don't you listen to your body? So now he still reaches out to me sometimes and writes me and uh, says he's feeling way better than what he was even five years ago. Talked to him last week and he said that he can work out as much as he wants to now and doesn't have hardly any problems. Like mind blowing. And my project was just a master thesis project. And all I had to do was tell him how you're feeling is okay because this is what's going on in your brain potentially. How you're feeling is okay because your body's telling you, hey, this is threshold. Why are you pushing way past it? Now, psychologically, he just had to have someone say, it is okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's a great case study story. And I get so proud of like his progress and stuff. And he's not even an athlete I'm coaching or anything. It's just, oh, it's so so nice to see an athlete come out of a concussion regardless of how many years they've suffered from these symptoms come out of it with a success story incredible yeah the last thing i'd love for you to clear up for us is the difference between this horrible myth that that um wow i almost said covid it's not covid it's cte (laughs) cte yeah (laughs) <laughs> that concussion and COVID are the same. <laughs> that concussion and CTE are the same things. I know everybody saw the movie Concussion, which is not actually the best about title. concussions. Exactly. Yeah. So could you tell us about CTE and what the difference is and why people don't need to think that they're going to die of a horrible, horrible mental illness in a horrible way just because they had a concussion? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Julia, I'm pointing this at you. You're going to die of no. (laughs) You are not going to. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, the movie Concussion talks a lot about CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and doesn't really talk about concussions. So, yeah, the title of the movie is up to debate, but it raised a lot of awareness about concussion, so I'm not upset about it. It's great for my research projects. It's a win-win situation. 
Um, what CTE is, is it builds up tau proteins, especially in the crevices of the brain. And it's not yet identified if a concussion causes CTE, if subconcussive blows cause CTE. So really there's a lot of studies, there's a lot of investigation on all of this. However, it's not yet known if a concussion causes CTE. So there's this whole uproar that headers in sport are bad because look at these athletes and look at the CTE. And American football must just be horrible because so many brains donated to the brain bank have CTE. <laughs> Another thing to consider is that the brains that are being donated to the brain bank are often from families that said, hey, my husband or my father had these symptoms. Mm -hmm. I want to know why. And they're donating the brain to essentially get some reason for it. And yeah, these brains are being diagnosed with CTE. It doesn't mean that every single football player will have CTE. It means that those that want answers are the ones that being, that those are the ones that are being tested. It also doesn't mean that every single person who has CTE, they might present with the symptoms. They also might not present with the symptoms, but it also doesn't mean that they're going to have an Aaron Hernandez type break, which is what unfortunately no, that is people stigmatize it as. It absolutely does not mean that. And I think it goes back to your comment earlier too. When you have a concussion and you can't solve the problems yourself, go and get help. So there's also cases where people think they have CTE and maybe they have treatable depression, but they're convincing themselves they have CTE because, well, hey, I played sports, I must have CTE. No, you have treatable depression, so don't over-exaggerate. And this is some of the fear that's going around the CTE research right now. So know your symptoms, Try to treat your symptoms based on what clinical profile you are experiencing and what clinical profile you are in. And I think that's very important for concussion, as well as for those that are thinking they could possibly have CTE. The issue with CTE is it is diagnosed at autopsy. So as far as my knowledge is, is there's no tests that someone can do in the living to diagnose someone with CTE. Mm -hmm. However, not yet. I think support system is something that is so valuable for someone that is getting through a concussion with their symptoms and for someone that is getting through CTE. I know that there is also Facebook groups that are hockey wives that all communicate and all talk together hey, my husband's suffering from memory loss. Hey, can we talk about this? Hey, can we talk about being a hockey wife? <laughs> Everything like this. And even from some of my concussion um, stuff, I, from the hockey players, sometimes it's not the hockey players that will actually verbally express the symptoms, but it's their wives that will say, hey, something is up, something is wrong. And that is something that I think is so, so valuable is to have such a good support system and to know the athlete that well to say, hey, something's up and to 
pinpoint at the beginning, hey, you have this, hey, you have that, what can we do about the symptoms? What can we do about the depression, the anxiety? You said meditation works for you. I think good sleep hygiene is also so important. Recovery, Absolutely. pushing to a limit, but not exceeding that limit when your body is telling you no go zone. Yeah, people have to figure out how to manage their stress really, really well. Yeah, and so how do you take a hockey player or a retired athlete that is used to being on the ice in the morning, in the night, having nap time, now has to work nine to five job, also has kids to provide for, has a wife at home too, and they don't have someone telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And they have symptoms of post-concussion on top of this. So it's such a complex injury and it affects all domains of life. But I think that if you have the good support system, if you yourself can also identify what your symptoms are and manage those symptoms with getting help when you need it, finding meditation ways or a journal is also something I always recommend to athletes to write down what initiates their symptoms the most to know if they should avoid this behavior or how we can manipulate this behavior to cause less symptoms. Yeah, so I, I don't know if awesome. you ever did any journaling or if you, yeah, meditation, you said was something that really helped you, but journaling meditation, could also be something. I've been doing almost daily since 2014 and that has saved me in so many ways. Journaling, I, I wasn't even nearly that self-reflective when I needed that the most. <laughs> um, but one thing I do now is just stream of consciousness, writing into the notes app of my phone, like as often yeah. as I can think about it, just what am I thinking about? Where are my thoughts? How am I feeling in general? How's my stress? And I'm a data nerd. So I love to track those kinds of things across time. And that's kind of cool qualitative data to have. Um, but yeah, that's perfect because a lot of the people listening to this podcast are athletes. So if an athlete suspects that they might have a concussion or post-concussion syndrome, even if they're far beyond that, can you give kind of some recommendations on what they can do if they don't really have that support system of having a team doctor and a physical therapist and a neurologist? Yeah, I mean, that's the unfortunate world of some sports teams. Some have the team doctor right there, the physiotherapist, and some don't have these resources, especially amateur sports. Uh, there is some networks on social media so there is a pink concussion group on facebook that i've looked into there's alliance concussions also and they do have feeds on these that you can ask some questions however it's more for social support so Mm -hmm. there's not really a doctor moderating these conversations but um it is so good to know that you're not the only one going through this and you won't be the only one. There'll be others after you and there's others before you. And you can get some strategies from what works for them. Uh, Otherwise, I do have the connections with the concussion project happening at the German Sports University where we can do baseline testing, post-concussion testing, as well as with retired athletes and just give some feedback on how your balance is when your eyes are open, when your eyes are closed. Um, We'll ask you about your symptoms just to fill out a questionnaire. We'll check your memory also. And um, 
since moving on from German Sports University, we have the project going on in the University of Paderborn, where we're also taking athletes right after concussion, and we check their vestibular performance, we check their postural, ocular, and specifically for my protocol, I'm not looking at them right after return to right after concussion, but within the return to sport protocol. So I even look more deeply into the brain and how the brain is performing. And I put them on an exercise bike to see how far we can push them, depending on what stage they are medically cleared to. And then I look again at their resting state brain networks. Mm-hmm. So these research projects are great because we can give feedback. Uh, and I mean, that's where we're at right now. We're still trying to understand this injury. And I'm hoping that with these research projects, with some time, we'll be able to better gear what to do about it and what rest means and what return to sport means and where we can push them where we should say hold on what clinical profile means what so why are some people having effective issues where emotions are out of whack and other people are just having a headache as you can tell jesse and i still had a lot more to discuss so stay tuned for part two of this episode in the upcoming weeks thanks